All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome in to Season 4, Episode 10 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdak. And I am one of your co-hosts. I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, the best brewer in town, the coolest guy I know, Thomas Bowen. Bowen, how we doing this evening? Man, it is a uh, it's a great, great evening to talk football, but I'll be doing a hell of a lot better when we can flush this Missouri game. Uh, you and me both, you and me both, and I'm sure all other Gamecock fans. Anybody new to the show, Thomas and I call ourselves a slightly above average football fan podcast. Because we played the game, we coached the game, we loved the game, we're obsessed with it, we study it, we have been watching it, learning it, and breaking it down since we were really young, and we've been doing it together for many years now, and we believe to ourselves to be the X's and O's shows for the Jimmys and the Joes, and what we mean by that is, no matter what level of fandom you are, maybe you're a Swifty who's getting into the NFL, and you just stumbled <laughs> upon us, and because you're trying to learn about the game, since your 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 favorite singer's boyfriend's a really good tight end, that's cool. We can help you. Maybe you're a football coach who likes to get uh, more info on some schemes and whatnot. Hopefully, we can help you too. But Thomas, before we jump into the South Carolina Missouri game, and fans uh, that are new, if you are, we are Gamecock fans. We are Gamecock graduates. We will focus most of our time and energy on South Carolina football. We will also look around other parts of college football and talk about big games coming up. But, Thomas, before we jump into any of that, South Carolina fans found out this afternoon that Xavier McLeod, a four-star freshman defensive lineman, is no longer with the team. That was how it was originally reported, and now we are getting reports that he was dismissed from the team. Since that time, this player's father, has come out on social media, and I did see this on another podcast uh, feed, but I'm not going to mention that podcast because I don't have any respect for it. Um, but the dad said something to the effect of that his son, Xavier, didn't like that they were losing, didn't want to be a part of a losing team, and that he wanted to redshirt this season to have more eligibility with what he hoped would be a better team down the road. And he was told that, you know, he was on the travel squad for Missouri and that he would play that would burn his red shirt. So he refused to go. And the dad, you know, kind of backs his son. He's his, his, you know, son. So I totally understand that. I'll always have my daughter's back. Thomas, you'll do the same. My dad always has my dad, my back, but, my biggest issue is two things. One thing, the dad ends the thing with like Gamecock for life. No, you're not. No, no you're, you're not. not. You left your team. The other thing is, man, that burns me at a level that I can't describe. Your team, which is a walking mash unit right now, a walking mash unit is saying, hey, man, we need you. We need you. The guys who you've lifted weights with, run sprints with, thrown up with, gone to practice with, don't study hall with all those things are coming to you and going, man, we need you. We need you now. You can help turn us around. You can make big plays. And your rea reaction is, I don't want to be a part of a losing team. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to refuse to go. Well, my reaction to that is, and his mom again <clears throat> came out to defend him and she's his mom. So she should said not to bash him. I'm not trying to bash him. I'm really not. I will tell you this. If I'm a South Carolina football player, 
on that football team, I don't want him on my team. I don't want him a part of my locker room. I don't want him to do any of that. Um, So I just, that blows my mind. That is a new mentality. It's all about get mine. And it drives me insane. There is now, because of the world of NIL and free transfer, there is no repercussion. There is no, well, if I sit out this year and I transfer, I won't play for another year. And, you know, what's going to happen here? None of that is the case anymore. And I don't think players should be held hostage, just like I don't think players should be should be bringing in billions of dollars into the NCAA's bank and not get paid for it. But I don't think it should be a free-for-all. I don't think it should be the wild, wild west. And this is zero accountability. This is zero accountability to your teammates. And this is a slap in the face. This is an absolute slap in the face. And to say, I just, I don't want to play because I might burn my red shirt because I don't want to lose. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But that is completely unacceptable. I can't believe that. And I will say this. There's going to be some times during today's show that I'm going to have some negative things to say about some decisions that were made by this coaching staff and in particular Shane Beamer during this football game. But I'm personally going to say right now I'm extremely proud that that coaching staff took that stance. We tell you to come to the game. We tell you you're going to get a chance to play, and your response is, I don't want to. Yeah, he doesn't need to be on the team anymore. He doesn't need to be on the team anymore, and I appreciate that about Shane Beamer and the coaching staff for doing that. All right, all of that put to bed. Thomas, do you got anything you want to say on that? No, I mean, I agree with you, and and because the flip side of that is, uh, so so this came out, and and let's say – Let's say he said, "Okay, I'm 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 not going to lead the team. I'm going to stay here." And then they do give him that red shirt because of that, like you said, for the locker room, the team's not going to want him. Like he's going to be an outcast forever. I mean, so I think the it was the the fate was sealed at that point. It's time to move on from him, and um, you know, next man up. That's so right. Exactly. So we delayed it enough. We still got to talk about it. South Carolina went to Columbia, Missouri this past weekend, and boy, did it not go well. Uh, Thomas, I know, and the fans, we're just going to go ahead and be honest about it up front. Thomas had a, a wedding to attend, so he didn't see as much of this as he would have. And God knows I wouldn't want to rewatch it if I was him either. So I didn't require him to do that. But this was a game that we all had concerns about. Even Thomas, the most, the most delusional fan, the most, you know, Homer, the most garnet color wearing glasses person knew this was going to be a tough task knew that this wasn't a likely win. But I don't know that any did, – did you feel like this kind of a lopsided defeat was – I mean, I guess it's always possible, but did you see it coming? Right. No, I, I didn't. I didn't see – I didn't see South Carolina's offense being held under 300 yards. I didn't see South Carolina's offense being held out of the end zone the entire game and us kicking four field goals. But – like you said, I, I I call very little of this game. I will say, uh, fun fact though, thanks to uh, the group text with you and some buddies, and group text with my brothers, uh, I looked back because I had a screenshot on my phone of it at uh, six p.m. And I pulled my phone out. I had two hundred and fifteen unread text messages between <laughs> y'all's two groups. So so you definitely you definitely tried to keep me updated, and I was not able to wade through all that. But um, yeah, really bad and just based on what I have learned that we're going to dig into in a minute here, it was just bad all around, bad decision-making, bad play calling, performance, you name it. I agree with you. And, you know, two weeks ago, 
loss against Florida was described by the coaching staff, Shane Beamer and others as gut wrenching. And they are exactly right. That's, that was how I would describe it. This week's loss was just disheartening. It felt like a setback. It felt like the years of old when South Carolina in the nineties and, and, and early two thousands didn't have the talent level of the teams they were playing. And you just, you, you, you were fighting a gunfight with a knife and, and that, has not felt we have not felt that way in a very long time. There have been times we haven't been as talented, and there's been times where we've had some bad moments and bad coaching. But I will say for somebody who watched this entire game, it was what it felt like. And I'm so so disheartened by that. And, and it's so difficult to understand. Starting off on the offense, Vershawn Lee, who had moved from center to right tackle against Florida, got injured in that game, was going to be out, was out. And it just started off a domino effect of the offensive line looking like it did against Tennessee, where that right side was so weak and it was so just not going well. Other guys are pressing, trying to make big plays. It's not going well. We're having just mental breakdowns left and right. Then as the course of the game goes on, Tree Babalabe gets hurt. Tro Bond gets hurt, you know, and it just from there, it was just ridiculous and and bad. bad uh going into this coming week's game and we'll talk more about the, that game in a few minutes south thomas south carolina depending on how you look at it they have had injuries now to 10 or 11 <clears> offensive <throat> linemen they expected to contribute in some way this season I, that's got to be a record of some kind right yeah it's pretty high and i can remember some of some of or at least one of the must champ years where there was injuries just piled up, but I still don't think it was this bad at that at that point. Uh, it, right. it just seems like every week I'm holding my breath to see who's going to go down. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you phrased it that way. We briefly discussed this once before, but I think we have to have this conversation, not just because of offensive line injuries, but injuries across the board. Thomas? Do we have a strength and conditioning program issue? It's, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, any, anytime a, a team piles up injuries, at least at least with South Carolina's fan base, you go to the message boards and it's always either a strength and conditioning issue or it's an Under Armour cleats issue, footwear, uh, equipment issue. Uh, this seems to be more strength and conditioning, but I say all that to say anytime this happens with any program, people always look at the strength and conditioning. I do think there is something to be said uh, in today's game of football to, you can't just go in the weight room and do empower cleans and squats and stuff. You've got to have development of micro muscles, tendons, things like that. A lot of band work, very like acute individualized work. I don't know if our strength and conditioning program does that. I, I know that, most strength and conditioning guys are big burly guys that yell a lot and drink a lot of Red Bull and Monster. <laughs> but uh, I think you have to take a more tactful approach to it these days. And I don't know if we are or not. You know, you hear the term soft tissue injury a lot. Exactly. And, and, and that seems to be what's happening. And it would be one thing if, and you know, I'm you and I are both stats people. So, but you and I also have jobs and, and other things we do in our life. I want ESPN or somebody to do a study, you know, is is there an uptick in injuries? Is there an uptick in injuries? Because here's the thing, you you hear about that in the NFL and a lot of it has to do with playing on on artificial turf and and those types of things. In college you don't do that as much, you know, right. and, and I don't think we can blame that. So, 
that's something it's just i don't know man it seems odd speaking of injuries another big injury during this game that could impact this coming week i believe has xavier Leggett been announced as questionable or doubtful uh last i heard was questionable i, I think at this point you got to count him out uh, i think you're probably right and you also have ahmad brown who's out and we haven't seen juice wells pretty much all season I don't think so, we will. And I don't think we will. So 10 or 11 offensive linemen, your three top wide receivers, that's a lot. I'm not making excuses. You should have beat Florida. There's no excuse for how badly you were beat last week. But there are a whole lot of injuries here. Thomas, South Carolina started the season with depth issues, depth chart issues, and now they have a whole lot of massive injuries. Buddy, it's time for them to ice up. Where can they get some free ice? Oh, boy. Yeah, it is time to ice up. But I bet our listeners might need some, too. Hey, man, you know, it's getting late in the year. Hopefully our yard warriors out there put out the pre-emergent. They're winterizing their mowers, blowers, and such. Probably lifting a lot of heavy stuff. Maybe tweaked a knee or a back. So you need some ice. You got to ice those muscles. Ice them like the the rice method. Rest, Mm -hmm. ice, coffee explosion or something like that <laughs> that's about right so yeah 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 yeah. go find yourself a twice the ice machine where you can get a 16 pound bag or 20 pounds directly in your cooler for only two dollars and fifty cents they've got locations all over the midlands including chapin west columbia irmo even Eastover. and we're going to hook our listeners up with a free bag when you're at the machine text the word average to the phone number on the machine and prepare yourself for a free bag of the best ice in town head over to tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice for participating locations. That's the best ice cold deal you'll find in town. Speaking of ice cold, Andrew, let's talk about some of our stone cold killers on offense. Some good. Yes, sir, that was a good tr- good transition there, my friend. A good segue. Three players on offense stood out as playing very well, even though in some cases, in the first player's case, it wasn't statistically as good as it's been, but my goodness, did he show heart. Spencer Radler, running for his life, doing everything he can do, made some bad decisions on a key third down, for example, on that first drive, took a bad sack and cost us the opportunity at a much easier field goal. Yeah, I think we ended up punting in that situation or at least missed the field goal. It's hard to remember, but we didn't score. I'll put it that way. And that's, but again, he's a guy trying to make a play. He's a guy trying to make a play and it just didn't work. I am, um, Continuing to be impressed and hopeful for the development of this next player, Nick Harbour, who had a 45-yard reception against Florida two weeks ago, had one of the best catches of the season this this game. Thomas, I don't know if you've seen the highlight of it. I don't know how no. his, I don't know how his head hit the ground, but his helmet exploded off of his head. Like it like <laughs> came off his ear, like his cheek pads came off. It was like I'm just glad his helmet was on because the kid would have like hurt his broke his jaw or something. And yeah, I'll uh, have to find that. But it was uh, it was a great play. He made other good catches, made some good blocks on the outside. He's continuing to develop, and then a player who continues to do well. And we should have tried to find a way to get the ball more, in my opinion, in the game, even though it was tough sledding in in several situations. Mario Anderson running hard. He had 68 yards, I believe, on the day. Had a 17-yard run. I believe he averaged 5.6 yards a carry. So you do get in a situation, you get in a hole, you're down 14, you're down 21, you feel like you got to start throwing it all over the yard. But he was doing a, a 
really good job. Uh, Thomas, you got any spots on there you want to talk about? No, um, uh, particularly offensively, like I said, most of what I've focused on is is defense because it just it goes from bad to worse. So, yeah, and the coaching decisions, I think we're going to get into that a little bit, which uh, uh, I just heard right before we started recording <clears throat> some clips from Shane Beamer to talk about that uh, field goal on the three-yard line. So let's get into those coaching decisions. Oh, boy, yeah, some coaching decisions I didn't understand. South Carolina could only muster four four field goals on the day. Um, the one that you're discussing, South Carolina was on the opposing three-yard line, so they were three yards from the end zone, had a fourth and goal in the fourth quarter. It was only there was only about there was still 13 minutes left in the in the quarter. So only about two minutes, give or take, had come off the clock. And you're down 27 to nine. Typically, I'm a take the point, Scott. In that situation, absolutely not. You are going, if you don't start making aggressive play calling and decisions, you're going to lose this football game. That was playing to lose, in my opinion. Let's say you get that touchdown in a two-point conversion. It's now a 10-point ball game. The defense was starting to get some momentum of some stops, and this just screams to me, let's try to not get blown out. And <laughs> that is just... I, I know Shane Beamer gets crap from other fan bases about getting excited on the sideline and clapping on a big hit or a big effort play when we're down big. Tennessee's famous for that because of his first year against Tennessee where he was trying to fire the troops up even though we were getting our butts kicked. And I got no problem with that. You're trying to bring positivity to your team. You're trying to celebrate, hey, we're down big, but you're winning that play. So that's As a football coach, you you get that description a lot go win the next play win the next play win the next play and you can make things happen well this did not feel like that mentality and also i'll point out and thomas again you weren't didn't see a lot of the game there were multiple times that even the announcer was like I, i'd be looking for a fake punt here it's third and you know it's fourth and three and they're in a good situation i could see shane rolling the dice nope punted it away and so just seemed to be there are times that he has gone for fake punts where I'm like, oh man, come on, what are you doing? Punt that ball, yeah. you know, punt yeah. that there. Mm -hmm. But they just, we seemed extremely gun shy on, on that type of thing. And I just was dumbfounded by it. We got hit in the mouth early on. We were down 21 to nothing. It was like that boxer who just can't get his, his, his feet back underneath him. You're just taking headshots over and over again in the corner and you can't cover up and you know mickey's yelling don't tell, and you know they don't want to and it's uh just not great so what did you hear shane say today well so on on that one on the on the fourth and goal on the three yard line uh, according to shane because you know people have asked him uh why, why did you kick that field goal and now remind me that field goal uh, gave took it to nine points. That was our final points of the game. Is that no, right? No, no, no. It was at nine. That took us to 12. At that point, it put us, it was 27, gotcha. 27 to nine. Kicking the field goal made it 27 to 12. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So, according to Beamer, uh, he said he felt like they had uh, really good play calls on first down, second down, and third down that they did not execute. Uh, had some some mental errors on there or whatever, did not execute. And so he said, of course, he was quick to throw in there, not saying I don't believe in my guys, but I just felt 
taking three points, keeping it a two score game uh, was our better option there. I, I can't really say that that I agree with him because I'm with you at that mm-hmm. point. You put your heavies in there and you mash it up the gut. You let Mario Anderson get those yards. He's going to run pissed off and he's going to get it. Put the big guys in there and do it. That's what you got heavy packages for. Yeah, you have a jumbo package for that. Get me a get me a defensive tackle in the backfield as a fullback. Bring in two tight ends. Don't have anybody split wide. Get under center and freaking give it to him. And even earlier in the game, Thomas, we had a wrinkle that we had not run all year. And I'll touch more on this in a minute. Um, we ran speed option on fourth down, fourth and three in in on their side of the field. Now, everybody and their brother knew Spencer was going to pitch it, but it at least yeah. made the linebacker on the edge nervous enough to where it gave Mario space to get the first down. Call a similar play. Attack the edge. Have a have a run pass option for your quarterback. And but just to kick a field goal, if if that score is seventeen, I'll even give it twenty to nine. Okay, kick the field goal. You know, take the points. I might even give you twenty four to nine. I, no, that's that's not. I, I'd say twenty to nine is where I'm kicking that because it's a, then it's an eight point game. If I can score again and get a two point, we've tied it. That's that's yeah. the only play, only scenario I'm doing that in. On the three, on the three with thirteen minutes, you are at that point down eighteen points, and you kick a field goal. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 That's bad. It's bad. And I'm not going to take it to the level of coaching malpractice and, uh, and we won't really touch on what happened in the Clemson game, but that was pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal as well. But, you know, defensively as well, I I, I did see that we worked Kilgore at nickel this time, you know, we've talked about this. This has been uh, a a revolving door at the nickel position. Nick Imanwari has been playing it um, from the Tennessee game. And then I think the Florida game as well. Now Kilgore's there. I've said this before, but it is, it is obvious that Clayton White wants to have Kilgore, DQ Smith and Nick E on the field at the same time. And I don't blame him. They're some of our better players maybe best players on defense, Kilgore, a freshman notwithstanding. But you just – you can't keep playing safeties in nickel positions. They can't cover guys. I would almost rather us move Nicky Minwari to linebacker. He'd probably be a phenomenal linebacker, but then people are going to say, where are you going to miss that run support that he provides whenever they roll him down? But I'll get more into that later. But, again, it looked like – linebackers continue to take awful angles get caught in the wash big shout out to uh my big brother for uh giving me some good recap here but blanton continues to be a disappointment and we haven't talked about this all year but it kind of came to a head in this game jordan strawn has been a big disappointment Mm -hmm. since he came back from his injury i had high hopes for him and he played really well before he got hurt but we, we don't have any good edge guys. We've talked about uh, how god-awful the linebackers are, and we don't get consistent push up the middle, and it just kind of came to a head that week, this weekend. Well, and and uh, I, with the edge and shroud, you know, he had a knee injury, and sometimes you just – that explosiveness takes a while to come back, and sometimes it doesn't come back, and I'm scared that it hasn't, and I hope yeah. it will for his future. But, you know, it's just mm. – and then you mentioned linebackers. Pup Howard got a lot of play. And I got to say, Thomas, one of the things I was concerned with, and it's been brought up on the radio and in, on message boards, he looked a step slow. Now, yeah. he's, a true, he's a true freshman, probably processing everything, and he's a, he's a little slow, heavy-footed at the moment. But that, that was scary as well. Anyway, now, 
Uh, let's jump ahead. Let's look at South Carolina going to Texas A&M, going to College Station. The road doesn't get any easier. Uh, Tom, does Vegas still have us as a 14-point underdog here? Last I looked, it was at 14. Okay. And that sounds like free money if you want to unload it. I was about to say, just take that. Take that. And maybe even take the over because, I mean, God knows we can't stop them. So, yeah. uh, so you know, anyway. On offense, with these injuries on the line and the wide receiver core, this seems like an almost impossible task for this for the Gamecock offense. Uh, Texas A&M defensive coordinator DJ is it Durkin? That's right, right? Yeah, Durkin. Durkin yeah, yeah, yeah. He then there's the DC now for his second year. He likes to run a three-three-five, and Thomas he'll even run. And I think I remember talking about this last season a three-two-six, and it's I a like little it. hi- hybrid stuff. Uh, on the line, you see a lot of two-gap responsibilities for those guys. And for folks who are unfamiliar with that term, that means their job is to literally body up the offensive linemen closest to them, bench press them off of them, and, and check each gap to either side and find the football. Right, Thomas? They're trying to yep. occupy both t- both gaps there. Thomas, this group is currently second in the league in total offense, or total yards allowed behind only two-time defending national champion Georgia, second in total passing yards allowed, third in total rushing yards allowed, and in total points, they are giving up only 19 points, uh, nine per game. The most concerning of this, Thomas, is that Texas A&M is tied with Alabama for the most sacks in the SEC right now with 29 so far this season. Based on South Carolina's injuries on the offensive line and honestly how the offensive line's played overall so far, that has to be a major concern because, Thomas, the Gamecocks have given up 30 sacks as a team so far this season. Now, Thomas, before we move further, I have a question for you. This is going to surprise you. That number does not make us last in the SEC. What two teams do you think have given up more sacks on offense than South Carolina, and I'm going to tell you one is going to shock you. In the SEC you're talking about? In, in the SEC only. Both sides of the of the bracket, but just in the SEC. Is one of them Alabama? One of them is Alabama. They've given up the most. They have given up 35 sacks this season. Yep, yep. I, th- I think I, I had heard something. I didn't know the exact number. And then the other one, uh, well, let's go ahead and say Vanderbilt. Uh, that's a good guess, but no. Uh, the other team that's really struggled this year and has been disappointing over in the West, Arkansas. They have thirty uh, given up 31 sacks. Thomas, when you're looking at what we have to face in this offense against this defense, it just seems daunting. Typically, I would say against a 3-3-5 defense, you're going to want to attack the edges in the run game, and you're going to want to run your pass game in the flats and outside the hashes because to borrow a soccer term here, that alignment makes them very narrow on defense. So they don't have as many bodies a lot of times out wide past the hashes, particularly up by the line of scrimmage. Thomas, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you definitely do. With the three three five, you definitely want to spread them out as much as you can. You got to attack those edges, and because they've already got fewer personnel at the first and second level, so yeah, you want to spread it out. Definitely attack the edges for sure. I agree with you. My only concern there is at right tackle, we have not shown the ability to set the <laughs> edge, and with an e an injury to Tree Babalave, that's concerning of what we can do on the left side as well. But you know. You can try and run your jet sweeps, but again, Thomas, I'm going to be honest. You know I like to go old school in the run game a lot. This feels like a situation where you run old school toss. 
You need to pull the play side guard, pull the backside guard if you can, even get a fullback out there to a tight end formation because now you've got a sheer numbers advantage in the alley. In a 3-3-5, they just don't have as many guys. that you know If you run with a tight end and a fullback and a wide receiver to that side, you've got them outnumbered. You, and then you start bringing a, at least the play side guard pulling on that outside on the old school pull. I know that sounds kind of simplistic, but it gives you a numbers advantage at least. And then the next thing I'm going to suggest is not going to be popular. And I want to be clear. I want to be clear. It has zero to do with how this person has played. He is right. giving us the best chance with his skill set to win each week. However, based on injury to the offensive line, based on injuries to the wide receivers, I do think we need to see a Lenora Sellers package. Now, I'm not talking about starting Lenora Sellers. I'm not talking about benching Spencer Radler. I'm talking about, think Florida, Tim Tebow's freshman year, get him some plays. Particularly if you can get down in the red zone, now they have to defend another runner. Thomas, he has the strength and and the ability, and they are not prepared for this, they being Texas A&M, where you could get in there and have him run that true speed option with him and Mario Anderson, where they have to worry about both of them as a running threat on that option. The true zone read, where he is a threat to pull the ball and run down that backside. Even a quarterback power, quarterback sweep, quarterback counter. Now, you've got those plays in your blocking playbook. You do. We've seen them be, be run by our team. All you're doing is putting it in a different player's hand. And in doing so, you could be creating an extra blocker out of Mario Anderson or DK Joyner. And you're giving the defense something else to prepare for. I, I think it's worth a consideration. But, Thomas... This we don't play this game in a vacuum. This isn't EA Sports. Mm -hmm. I understand doing this could have a major impact on your locker room. As much as Spencer was, you know, maligned at Oklahoma for allegedly not being a beloved teammate, I think he's pretty beloved by his South Carolina teammates. Quite honestly, I I I applaud the kid because he could have been coming off the sideline in the Missouri game screaming and yelling about nobody blocking and people dropping footballs, and he didn't do that ever. So I, I think that is something to consider. Thomas, am I completely too mad scientist crazy here? Am I jumping the shark with this idea? Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I get what you're saying as far as like having a package out there, and I think hopefully – the coaching staff is looking at it from a, is the juice worth the squeeze? Uh, I think of course they would like to preserve his red shirt and hell at this point, like I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know exactly what the rule is on that, but um, I, I, I don't know if they're still trying to preserve that. Could they still preserve his right? What is it a point of the season it's, or it's, I think it's a, uh, a <laughs> if you've played four games, if you've like you, you can play up to three, maybe I don't know if it's full games, it's four games to play. Um, if you do, but so I think that was what, um, Xavier McLeod's issue was, was he had seen action in enough games that if he played in Missouri, he'd lose his red shirt. So like, you know, I, that is a situa situation to take into consideration, but I'll throw, I'm going to play devil's advocate advocate here. We're two and five. Yeah. We're two and five. 
you know, if you're building for next year, let's be clear, Shane Beamer's job's not on the line right now. You know, there are some delusional fans that would try to tell you that, but his job's not on the line right now. But if you want to keep, if you want to keep your recruiting class together, now people always talk about our, our recruiting folks talk about that wins and losses don't matter to recruits nearly as much as it does to fans. I've come to agree with that concept, but Agreed. bad, bad losses do. Yeah, bad it can losses hurt. do. So you know, you got smoked in Missouri. You're going to Texas A&M. If the wheels start to fall off, you got to try it, in my opinion. And I know, I know D'Lo is too smart of a football coach, and so is Shane Beamer, to not have this kind of package. They've got a three- or four-play package for Lenoris. They just haven't had to use it yet. They've been practicing it since the summer. I guarantee it. And it's just a question of, listen, you get down 21 to nothing, Early in the game, like you did on the road against Missouri, you if you have that package, which I just believe they do, you got to think about using it. Yeah, it's not a terrible idea. And I will say this, if if they did use it, I don't think there's going to be any sort of ill will from Rattler. Like Kimry said the other week, Rattler's a, an absolute pro. And Rattler doesn't, you know, I don't think he's going to, He's going to get butt hurt if they bring him in for a package or two, especially if if it works and it works well. Hell, if anything, it'll give Rattler a break. But um, I don't know. I just I don't know if this coaching staff has the stones to do something like that at this point. I just think you know. It, I'll say it this way. I'll say it this way. If you're trying to win this football game, and this again has nothing to do with Spencer Rattler. If our offensive line was healthy. If Xavier Leggett, Juice Wells, and Amon Brown were all out there, I, I would not be suggesting this in any way, shape, or form. But based on what I saw, particularly in the second half on offense in Missouri, it's time to get creative. It's time to get creative. And I again, like I said, it could be a end of the first quarter you get the ball back. There's a minute and a half left. Run a run a two minute type drill. You know, run four plays. I guarantee they have a four play package, like the old yeah. the old days of what Brad Scott tried to bring to South Carolina in the fast break offense. Anthony Wright's spoken about how they memorize. They had six plays memorized, and they would go to those in a time of need. They go. You every offense has their two minute offense, and every quarterback has run it because. You know, they, they do a situation football in practice where they go, all right, uh, Spencer twisted his ankle. Lenoris, you're in. Two minutes. Go. And you 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 call plays from there. It's just you got to catch them on their heels. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's something to consider. Thomas, goodness gracious, how do we stop this offense or any offense at this point? <laughs> that's, that's probably a, a better way of putting it. And it feels a little bit like a bit of a broken record, but – Statistically, let's look at it. So AM 11th in rushing in the SEC. So they're not exactly lighting it on fire. South Carolina run defense in the SEC, also 11th. So that's just, mm-hmm. you know, crap against piss there. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting, but because uh, AM has two top 20 SEC running backs averaging over five yards a carry. And I just saw this stat earlier today in road games this year, South Carolina is giving up. 200-plus rush yards and around five yards a carry. That does not bode well for this 
defense. It, it's, it's the, the run game alone could punish this South Carolina defense. But let's look at the passing game here. Max Johnson, quarterback for AM. And lest lest we forget, this was this is the first year of Petrino with Jimbo, right? At, that at is A&M. correct. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So as a reminder to fans, Jimbo took a lot of heat for uh, his offense last year and really since he's been at AM or lack thereof. So he brought in uh, Bobby Petrino this year to uh, supposedly breathe some life into that offense. But the passing game has been less efficient lately, particularly for uh, what you think of the Bobby Petrino offense is old, of old, especially whenever he used to hammer us when he was in Arkansas before he had a little bit of a motorcycle accident. But um, <laughs> less efficient passing game recently, mainly due to injuries and more pressure on Johnson. This this is not an A&M offensive line of old, notwithstanding the fact they've got some good run games. Uh, people are starting to dial up pressure on Johnson. But South Carolina, we don't have a pass rush right now. We talked about the linebackers are, are not there. The edge is not there. So South Carolina doesn't have a pass rush, which leads to that back seven spending too much time in one-on-one situations in space. And Max Johnson is a guy that, although he does hold, tend to hold on to the ball a little bit too much. Like, I mean, people are going to get open uh, when you're spending that much time on an Island out there. It's a tough situation. Again, as I mentioned, when Kilgore, DQ Smith and Nick are having to cover slot receivers far too often. I also saw today that these three, these three safeties that are covering slot guys are allowing completion percentage upwards of 70% on the season. That is not a good metric uh, for no. your guys covering the slot. But one of the things I, I have noticed glaringly with Clayton White is one of our biggest issues up front is you notice how – like 90%, maybe even 100% of the time, we're in an even front. Yes. We always run even front. Yes. We never run an odd front. And for our mm-hmm. listeners, we talk about an even versus an odd front. An odd front typically literally means that an odd number of linemen up there, like a 3-3-5 defense, you're going to have three of them. Usually you're going to have a guy head up on the nose guard, but you can look to see if there's a guy on the nose guard. The guards are uncovered, and that can be a nose guard and two defensive ends. It can be a nose guard and two defensive tackles. You have a lot of flexibility with that. But the fact that we are always in an even front, it makes it very easy for offensive coordinators to scheme around and – it also leads to we only have yeah this is a four two five defense we're always in the even front so that means we always have two linebackers on the field which limits you in pressure that you can bring on offenses. and you can run an odd front with a four man you can run absolutely an odd, run an over front or an under front and I'm gonna tell you right now covering the center if I ever am back in coaching and I'm on the other side of the ball and I'm coaching defense I guarantee you we will be at odd defense. There will be a nose guard because covering that center and making him block somebody one-on-one as soon as he snaps the ball throws everything off because the center, Jason Kelsey said it the other day on his podcast, my job is to snap the ball and then give somebody help or get help from somebody else. That is what centers do. If you put one head head up or even in the eye of the center, it messes everything up. And the fact that we just sit there again, Thomas, we talked about this last week. I think if defenses just ran exactly what we, as an offensive coach that you wanted them to, that you saw on film, it's an easy game plan. Well, that's what South Carolina is doing right now. Running exactly what the film shows. 
it has been yep. an easy game plan. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no, you're absolutely right. And it, it just kind of like it's, it's no adjustments, no changes. I feel like the only thing we're changing is personnel at positions. We're not changing up looks or anything. But so uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad going into this game. So you have to look at in spite of all of that, what can South Carolina take advantage of in this game if they want any freaking chance of winning this game? So you look at a couple of things. AM has not been consistent for four quarters in a game all season. I don't know if that is locker room culture coaching what, but they've been kind of erratic, haven't played a complete game. I mentioned it earlier, Max Johnson can hold the ball way too long. South Carolina has to take advantage of that, has to give some exotic looks, has to bring some different pressures and just change some things up that have not been on film this year. Get him on the move. He's averaging holding the ball like over three seconds, which is a lifetime for a quarterback to be holding the ball. He should be getting sacked more. But finally, when I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think, I think Pete Limbo is going to come back in good graces this week because in all five of AM's games against power five opponents this year they have allowed a non-offensive touchdown they, they've okay. had kick returns punt returns scoop and score pick six safety they've allowed non-offensive touchdowns so i want to see some beamer ball this weekend and let's face it uh, you know, sometimes the ball's got to bounce your way. Sometimes you got to uh, you got to roll the dice. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, this is time to do it. Well, and I think the other thing, as you said, sometimes the ball's got to break your way. And and you know, they that's the old saying is that the the breakdown on that ends up you know even itself out throughout the season. Well, that must mean we about to get a whole bunch of breaks for the next five <laughs> yeah, games. Sure, sell so. and gotten a whole lot for the first seven. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean that's true now. We're not going to predict this game because you and I would both say South Carolina is going to lose and Texas A&M is going to cover. If a scenario happens where South Carolina wins this game, you're now three and five, which is not great, but you are home for the rest of the season. And your yep. next two games are Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. Though, you know, Vanderbilt's not been terrible this season and South Carolina has no right to take anyone lightly, including Jacksonville State, because they're going to want to. They're going to want to prove a point coming in, especially with Rich Rod as their coach. But you find a way to pull off a miracle. You could easily feel like you got some get-right games of, of a sort, and then you have to find a way to beat Kentucky or Clemson to make a bowl game. This makes this game very pivotal. Do I think we're going to win? No, I do not. No, I do not. But if you can find a way... You can see one of those turnarounds like we saw last last season, but that's a giant if. That's let a, me ask you. Let, let me ask you this. Let's say that does happen. South Carolina pulls a horseshoe out of its ass this weekend, wins, and then, like you said, takes care of business of Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. And then you need one more win to go bowling, and it's down to Kentucky and Clemson. And let's say South Carolina only beats one of those. Which one do you want to beat? I mean, Clemson. Okay, that's kind of what I thought you'd say. I I didn't even have to think about that. I mean, I've gotten where Kentucky and Missouri are sort of in that same that same box for me of teams that I just hate that we lose to. But I, I, there's there's very few scenarios where you could say, okay, Andrew, this could happen, or you beat Clemson, 
and my answer is not going to be beat Clemson. You know, if so it's go 11, you go to the national championship or beat Clemson, that would be one where I'd be okay with like, okay, they can beat us that year, but we're going to win the natty, <laughs> you know, but like that, you know, uh, but there's very few that I'm going to be very happy with. Um, all right, Thomas, let's look at the games. Let's look at the games on the docket. Got, got two big ones. Um, at three thirty, starting us off, what you got for us? Yeah, you know, and it's um, uh, uh, there's not there's not a lot of huge marquee games except for one we'll get here in a minute. But some of these games could get wacky. So yeah, three uh, thirty, number one Georgia versus Florida, the cocktail party. This is in Jacksonville. Georgia is favored by fourteen and a half points. I think, I mean, I definitely think Georgia's going to win this game, but it's kind of like I still haven't really seen Georgia put together a complete game, and Florida is just kind of sitting there getting better, playing spoiler. I don't know, man. I'm not saying Florida's going to win, but this game could get wacky. This feels like a Georgia trap game right now. This feels like a Georgia trap game. Uh, I I think Georgia finds a way to win the ball game because they're Georgia and they're very good. They've just – Let's call it as as it as it is. They've slept walked their way through this season in most yeah. I mean, you know, so is it possible? Sure, but I still think they're too talented. What's your other 330 marquee matchup? 330. This is the one I'm probably most excited about. A big pack 12 or two matchup. Number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. Oregon is favored by six and a half in this game. I got to say, I've kind of always been a little bit of a closet Oregon fan, and I'm really liking them this year. We've talked about how much I like Dan Lanning. I like Bo Nix. But Utah's got a hell of a defense, and this is a big Pac-12 showdown. It is, and this is a big moment for both these teams. You know, uh, both these teams, you know, want to have a special season. They want to go to a New Year's Day bowl and and you know all that stuff. They may not go to the um you know they may not go to the playoffs. That seems to be out of the question at this point. Wackier things have happened, um, especially for Oregon, who only has one loss. Does Utah have one or two? One, one. Okay, so this is a big deal. This is a huge deal because at one loss, you're not completely dead. Two, you're out. Yeah. So so that this is a huge game. I'm with you. I've always sort of had a, a spot for Oregon. I like Dan Lanning a lot. I think he's just a good football coach. I like how he handles his business. Um, I, you know, this is at Utah. I think Utah's kind of been living on some borrowed time, in, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe. So, so I think I think Oregon and, and Oregon lost. Was it last week? Is that when they or is that no two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I think maybe. So they they still got some bounce back to do. This is another big matchup. So I, I I'm I'm a, I'm gonna call it that the Ducks are gonna win this one. All right, all right, let's round it out. Let's round it out. Seven o'clock. This game is super interesting to me. Number 21, Tennessee at Kentucky. Tennessee's favored by three and a half. This is a game that I could see Kentucky crockpotting Tennessee to death with long, sustained drive Mm -hmm. for the big run game. And I feel like Tennessee is just kind of kind of due for a shit the bed game, honestly. Yeah. So uh I agree. It could get interesting. It could get interesting. Well, Tennessee, Tennessee, you know, they got to be real in a little bit. You know, they, they got to be real in a little bit. It's at Kentucky. Kentucky has, you know, done what they've done for the past several years, started off very strong against a very weak schedule, and then they started playing some some tougher opponents and started to struggle. And now everybody down in uh, 
Kentucky is ready for basketball season. And they, yeah. you know, they, they've stopped, they've stopped thinking about it. So it's interesting. What kind of crowds Kentucky going to have? If it's big, what kind of energy is it going to have? If Tennessee gets up early, what kind of impact is that going to have? I think this will be a, uh, I think you're right, a crockpot Kentucky type situation. And that running back's really good still. And, you know, I just think they can find a way. Now, no disrespect. I'm sure he's a great human and he loves his mama, as my good friend Andrew Fisher likes to say. Uh, Joe Milton at quarterback is waiting to give you the football to the other team that yeah. can bite you in the butt in, in a game like this. <clears throat> Very true. Very true. And I mean, Kentucky's got a legit defense like oh, yeah. slouches. So, uh, yeah, if, especially if Kentucky can turn him over a couple times, it could get real pucker pucker for Tennessee up there. That's right. And it would be interesting what starts to happen to the honeymoon, so to speak, in Knoxville if they lose this yep. game. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, they, they, hey, listen, they whipped us. They whipped us. Right on, you know, there's no other way to say it. In Neyland, they got their revenge. It was all those things. But the uh, there's been a lot of other games that haven't gone the way they want them to this year. And is the the newness, the shininess, going to start wearing off? It's going to be interesting to see if, if Kentucky Good. has that win. Good. All right, Thomas, uh, we are the at SA, or excuse me, we are the slightly above average football fan. Our social media is at SAA football fan on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach us by email at, at SAA football fan at, at gmail.com. Actually, that's just SAA football fan at gmail.com. No ad at the front of it because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> Thomas, to, as we head out the door, tell the people whatever you want to tell them. So I'll send a message to, to the Gamecock faithful out there. Uh, let's embrace the fact that this game is at noon. You can get it out the way right. early, then right. make your errands, run to Lowe's, go to right. the bouncy house, whatever you need to do, right. and let's flush it. Enjoy a good day of football, some cold beer, and some smoked meat. See ya. See ya.